Well, welcome back to the final episode of Hamilton Smith's talk on the four individuals in the Gospel of Luke that he brings forth as brokenhearted. And the last one here is the most beautiful of all because it has to deal with our Lord Jesus. And uh, isn't it amazing to think that he came out of the sources of glory there by his father's side, comes to this earth, and uh, is brokenhearted. So he's, it said, he's touched with a feeling of, of our infirmities. So let's go ahead and get into Hamilton Smith's little talk on the brokenhearted Savior found in Luke 19, where it reads, We have seen that our sins and our backslidings, even in the light of his love, can break our hearts, and that death can cast its shadow over the fairest scene and break our hearts. But in this touching scene on the Mount of Olives, we see a yet deeper sorrow, the sorrow of unrequited love. We at times may have our hearts broken by unrequited love, but even as the Savior's love rises above all other loves, so when his love is flung back in his face, he feels and measure beyond all others the sorrow of unrequited love. The depth of his sorrow can only be measured by the height of his love. So we read, when he came near, he beheld the city and wept over it. His love had been lavished on these poor people, but they only rewarded him evil for good and hatred for his love. Psalm 109.5 When he told them that he had come to heal the brokenhearted, they were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. Luke 4 When he forgave sins, they charged him with blasphemy. Luke 5 When he healed a poor cripple, they were filled with madness. Luke 6. When he received poor sinners and ate with them, they said he was a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber. Luke 7. When he goes to raise a dead girl, they laugh him to scorn. Luke 8. And when he delivers a man from the devil, they say he casts out devils by Beelzebub, the chief of devils. Luke 11. They opened their mouths against him. They spoke against him with a lying tongue and fought against him without cause. And for his love, they were his enemies. Psalm 109, verses 2 through 5. Nevertheless, man's heartless treatment drew forth no expression of indignation from Christ. No bitter and revengeful word fell from his lips. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not. The hardness of our hearts are only called forth a sorrow that found expression in his tears. He broke his heart at last, for he said, for he could say, I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. And having broken his heart, we sought to slay the broken in heart. Psalm 109, 16. So we read the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him. What a scene. Outside the city, the broken heart, the heartbroken Savior weeping over sinners. Inside, hardened sinners seeking to destroy the Savior, seeking to shed the blood of the one who shed tears over them. 
In a little while, there will, will be a glorious answer to those tears, for very soon he will be surrounded by a great host of brokenhearted sinners saved by grace and backsliding saints restored by grace. In a scene where God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Then he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. I cannot tell how silently he suffered, as with his peace he graced this place of tears, or how his heart upon the cross was broken, the crown of pain to 33 years. But this I know, he heals the brokenhearted and stays our sin and calms our lurking fear and lifts the burden from the heavy laden. For yet the Savior, Savior of the world, is here. I hope that this little series on the brokenhearted has been helpful for you, as it's been for me. Our Lord Jesus being the epitome of being brokenhearted. One thing Hamilton Smith doesn't mention here is brokenheartedness, and he mentions about the Lord Jesus um, weeping over the city of Jerusalem. And then we also have the Lord Jesus weeping by the tomb of Lazarus as well. One thing I've enjoyed on that, apparently the Greek has a, des, a denoting of the fact that when he's by the, by the um, tomb of Lazarus, he is silently weeping with Mary and Martha as their son is in, or as their brother is in the tomb. But when he's weeping over Jerusalem, it's loud sobs. I thought that was interesting to pick up little differences like that. There is the silent weeping that can go on and there can be the loud sobs that can go on as well. And the Lord knows them all and there will be a day. (laughs) There will be a day where there will be no more weeping, nor sorrow, nor tears. So may we wait for that day. In the meantime, see these four instances in the book of Luke and may they be of comfort and as well as the Psalms that were quoted as well here to take a look at those Psalms because David himself and other writers of the Psalms were certainly brokenhearted at times and that's why the Psalms were written for the most part as well. With that, look forward to seeing you here on another episode or if not, we'll see you in the air around our Lord Jesus.